0: Good morning everyone. It's good to be here with you and I've been really blessed by our times this this week. Uh, It's one of those times where we get to get away uh, as a team, you know, where we're serving so much during the year and then we just get to get away. So I hope you've been encouraged and strengthened and today I have the privilege of sharing with you on the topic of teams and how important it is uh, to have a team, to how God puts teams together and, and so this is one of those familiar passages that is very encouraging. Um, I w- want to appreciate, I, I want to express my appreciation too for the, you know, over, when. I want to put a little thought in your mind and then I'll jump into the message, but I want to put a little thought in your mind. You know, when you're going through a trial and through a difficulty, you're going through a, a trauma, a stress, and, and let me just say, ministry can be very traumatic uh, we may not feel it that way because we deal with things all the time, but ministry can be very traumatic. When, people, uh, when you're dealing with people problems all of the time and you're dealing with the issues in people's lives, you combine that with your own personal issues in your own life, and then you combine that with people that uh, attack you or people that um, the various things that people can do, it takes a toll on you. And I just want you to, in your mind, acknowledge that, that ministry can be very traumatic and it can take a toll on you physically, emotionally, spiritually, because of the amount of, because of our calling and our rise, our desire to to live to our calling, our desire to serve God, our desire to press in, we come from a family of churches that has taught us endurance, perseverance, all of the things I'll be sharing about today, Uh, in, in a very good way, you may not take time to take care of yourself, and I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean that in a reality way, just as if you feed yourself breakfast in the morning and lunch, and you take care of your body that I want to acknowledge to you. Some of you are walking trauma victims ministry-wise. Somebody, I forget who introduced this phrase to me, but it, it just resonated with me in the, just the day-to-day ministry activities. If I was just to unload on you uh, the emails that are in my box right now waiting for me, or the email that I received right before I came, or some of the meetings I had just the week before I came, you would say, wow. And I bet you we could all share them and put them in a big pot and then light them on fire. <laughs> it's like... That the, the reality of ministry uh, is, is one where you have to consciously take care of yourself and be mindful of yourself, not in a selfish way, because you're always giving out, you're always giving out, you're always giving out, you're thinking of others more highly, or you're setting the tone, you're setting the standard. But while you're doing that, you may forget your own. And we, we usually assign that because we kind of sing that song. I want to fall in love with the Lord. I want to come back to my first love. Uh, but, but it's deeper than that. It's, more, it's not a, necessarily a disobedience that Jesus would come to you and say, you've left your first love. But through circumstances, you wake up one day and you're like, wow, where, how did I get here? And so conferences like this, and God will give you these episodes in your life away from the battle, and away from the difficulty. Like, like, so, so I share all that to say this. Tucson, in particular, has played a very special role in the healing of my heart and my life and my family. And God would just take us away from something for a while, and he would drop healing into it. And, and sure, the Bible study, and yes, the worship, and, but, but what, what's more valuable to me than a Bible study and worship are people and all that you have added into our life, whether I've met you and talked to you, whether we've corresponded on email or phone, whether you have prayed for us as we share a a prayer request with you. So on behalf of Marie, my son Josh, my daughter Caitlin, and myself, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your ministry. Um, You you may not think you make a big difference, but... of the body of Christ, you make a huge difference. And just like a farmer, you know, putting a seed down, you it takes time for the seed to grow and bear uh, wheat and fruit. It takes time. And so much is going on is underground. You never see it. You, You don't get to watch it, but you wait, and you're faithful, and you wait, and you're faithful, and you wait, and then the harvest comes. And so maybe Tucson this year... Plays that role in your heart, Tucson, this church, this conference, the specific teachers and worship leaders. And, you know, Pat Barrett, Pat Barrett's a gift to the body of Christ. But so is Johnny, so is Sean, so is the whole, the, the, those that serve us are gifts that God has given to us in the body of Christ. And so are you. It's just we're flipped around right now. And I, I see more eyes staring at me than you see staring at you but we're the body of Christ. It makes no difference whatsoever where we are as long as we're in Christ. And so that's the key. Father, we're asking you uh, as we come together in this text, uh, as we come together in thoughts in my mind uh, that you've given me, that I've thought of, kind of come together, uh, I pray that you would encourage us. Uh, I pray for those that will be watching this later on that weren't able to be here today, uh, listen to this on a podcast or on the app, and and they're just flipping through, uh, looking for encouragement. They're flipping through, looking for direction. They're, they're looking for you to speak on a particular topic. And as we open your word today, I pray that I would be faithful to your text, and I would also be faithful to the leading of your spirit as we're in this room for these moments, that I would be a surrendered vessel. And God, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of this conference and this church Uh, for the, 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 the families and people that you've brought into my life. It's more than I deserve. And so I gratefully acknowledge your grace and mercy in my life and for your faithfulness to take your word and give us another breath and another step and another direction. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you take your Bibles and open them, please, to Exodus chapter 17? Exodus chapter 17. In a Bible study that I've entitled, Vision Takes a Team. Actually, I didn't title it. Nick told me to teach on this topic. So in a Bible study that Nick titled, Vision Takes a Team. And we drop into a season in the life of Moses that is very familiar. Now, of course, with Moses, it's a real life and death battle physically. But is it not true that you and I wake up morning after morning to a real life and death battle spiritually? The warfare, the difficulty, the battle surrounding our service unto the Lord is real and significant and and very powerful in yielding to the work of the Lord. Now, when you think of a team, there's some familiar passages or familiar cliches that are out there when it, comes to, when it comes to teams. For example, I looked a few of them up. Like, no man is an island. That's true. Men are men. Islands are islands, but I get it. No man's an island. Or there's no lone rangers in ministry. Or there's no I in team. There is M-E in team, but not I. How, how about the the this one is a ruined end? It takes a uh, well, let me I wrote it down. Let me say it right uh, because I don't really use these things. But uh, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. How's that one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny that we recognize and even put into famous sayings the need for a team. But God, He invented this concept. Uh, not some leadership book. And let me just say, by the way, some of you, maybe this is a word from the Lord, some of you are so caught up in trying to learn leadership that it's actually frustrated you. You've read this book, you listen to this podcast, you listen over here, and your just conclusion is, I just don't think I can work with all these concepts. Well, you don't have to. Just be yourself. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. You say, well, you know, I look at all the famous coaches and I look at all the famous pastors and I don't think I could ever be them. You're right. You can never be them. And when you're looking at books and you're, you're looking to learn, just let, let, let me give you something that will help you, and that is just listen for the principles that the person's trying to share with you, just the principles, and then pray through those principles so they can be applied in your life through your ministry in your town. You know, you might hear somebody say something and they have a church of, of 5 million people with a staff of 10,000. And you get frustrated. They might talk about staff or they might talk about salaries. And, they, and you look at them and you go like, I don't even have a salary, man. I go to work all day. And it frustrates you. And when you're frustrated, you're not going to pick up on the principle. Just forgive the person for using that illustration that may not be so relatable to you. Just immediately forgive them. But listen to the principle and translate the lesson into your own context. I, I think we're in a culture right now that's just mad about everything. And some of you are just mad about everything. You're mad about the government, you're mad about the church, you're mad about your pastor, you're mad about your city, you're mad... <laughs> okay, I'm not... Well, I was gonna say I'm not a super mad person, but like I, we, we've been frustrated because there's been a trash problem in our neighborhood. Seriously. Like whatever happened to our trash can company, they just stopped showing up. And so trash is out there and trash is out there. You know, the first couple of times you just let it go. And then you're like, you're looking out the window in the morning. Did they come? I know oh, the trash is there. And then you go on your little HOA thing and everybody's mad. They didn't pick up the trash. And then you're starting to pick up the trash. Marie, Marie, they didn't pick up the trash. But what's she going to do about it? She doesn't drive the truck. <laughs> and so now we're mad at the trash company and we're mad at the trash. Mad, and, it's like, and then the new company comes. Listen, relax. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> the culture we're in is just like mad, mad, mad. And if you don't think it affects you, It's like jumping in water and saying you don't get wet. Like we live in this culture. And Jesus told us that we're to be known for our love for one another. Not for our anger. Not for us taking a stand and putting a stick in the mud. And saying this is the way. Like the gospel of Jesus Christ rescues, redeems. It works miracles into people's lives. And anything and everything will distract you from the message. It will distract anything and everything, will distract you from doing what God has called you to do. And in this section here, we learn the significance of being a part of the body of Christ. That happens immediately after you're born again. After you are born, the millisecond you're born again, you're part of the team, you're in. There there isn't any of this, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you, and you're the last one standing on the fence wondering, am I ever going to be picked? And then they say, is there anyone else? (laughs) All right, we'll take Ed. We were hoping so-and-so would show up by now, but all right, Ed. And you say, yes, I'm on the team. And then they sit you on the bench, put you in right field. Do you know that right field is an important position in baseball? Did you know baseball is the only sport that matters? Did you know that the Dodgers are the only team that matters? And anybody have sympathy with me today that the World Series was stolen from us by the Houston Astros? One word for that team cheaters. That's not in my. No- yeah, don't get angry. I'm so angry. <laughs> I just needed to get that out. (laughs) One of the things I like to share with our fellowship when it comes to ministry is that we, and I mean that word we, is the language of ministry. It's not I. Nobody does anything alone. Although we all have alone responsibilities, nobody in ministry ever ever does anything alone. Even as I have the privilege of sharing with you in this very moment, there are countless people behind the scenes making it happen. Countless people. I mean, layer after layer after layer that make this opportunity, this, this time, this moment happen. So the language of ministry is always we. Anytime you forget that, then you're going to find yourself going against God's ordained pattern for reaching a lost, reaching a lost city, reaching a lost community. Every single one of you counts and matters. And there's a couple different ways we can look at this. One, we, we remember that we co-labor together and that every member matters. That's a big deal. However, we can also look at it another way, and that is this. Here you are in this time seeking God, and none of you are doing this alone. You're not alone. I know it feels like you're alone. I know that your ministry could be in an isolated area. It could be out in the middle of a desert. It could be up in a mountain town. You, you could be in the middle of a metropolitan city and feel wildly alone. You could be in this room observing other people. Your first or second, I saw so many, this is your first time here at this conference, and you look around over here and you look around over there and you go, well, they get to talk over there and they get to talk over there and I, I see them uh, talking over there, but I don't know anyone. I feel so alone. I watched a brother last night. Uh, I was so proud of him. I don't know if he's here, but I was so proud of him. He was standing right over there while Pat Barrett was here. And we were talking with Pat Barrett. Fusco was talking with Pat Barrett here. And uh, we've got some things. We want to invite him out to, to come to Colorado. And we had some things. And he was so patient, standing right there. Just so patient watching us. So patient watching us. And then, boom, before I know it, he's standing right here. And he introduced himself to Pat expressing his appreciation and I didn't get a chance to fully tell him last night but what you did was the right thing God ministered to you to come and connect with a brother you waited patiently maybe somewhere in there like I'm gonna I gotta go home man I'm tired (laughs) and I just want to go tell this brother that and I'm gonna walk the mountain to come up and tell this brother (laughs) nothing's gonna stop me and he was kind, he was considerate, he was patient, he had the fruit of the Spirit, and at the same time, he came to the conclusion, if, if I don't do it now, I don't know if I'll ever do it. And that's how we need to be with one another. It's not enough to look across the room and say, I wish I was in a group talking. Go to that group and talk. Introduce yourself. And, and say, hey, you know, the, the phrase that I like to share with our church about connecting with people is this, how can I pray for you? Mo- believer unbeliever alike, 99% of the time, they'll begin to open their heart for you. Stranger, you know them, it str- doesn't matter. Because there's something about the acknowledgement of people to people when you in factor God into the equation where the Holy Spirit takes those barriers and boundaries and, dis- and eliminates them. You are immediately a part of the body of Christ. And you don't. You are not alone. You are not alone. And allowing that that, that, resist, you know, that thought that, man, I, I don't know, what are they going to think of me? And maybe this is a silly question. And I, no, just, just insert yourself into someone's life and ask. And then, you know, you're kind of waiting too on the flip side. Well, nobody comes to me. Nobody comes to me. Nobody's calling me. Pick up the phone. You feel like that? You pick up the phone and call someone because I bet you someone else is feeling just like you are. And as you connect with someone, you will eliminate the spiritual warfare that comes by dividing us. Because a house divided cannot stand. It's not just will not stand. It cannot stand. And we may have quite a few differences in the room today. We may have quite a few little minor disagreements. And, you know, I don't know. I don't like what they're doing. And I don't like what they did. And I don't... Man, these are not the days for us to magnify our minor disagreements. These are the days of unity. And the Bible says to strive to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And instead, the enemy does a great job of magnifying our differences, but we're a part of the team. The right fielder, if you use baseball as the analogy, the right fielder needs to be in right field. And the pitcher needs to be on the mound. And the first baseman needs to be at first base. The first baseman can't be upset. Well, you know, I didn't get to pitch today. Dude, you're not a pitcher. <laughs> we need you there. That, that's where you're needed. And we forget. We forget that God has placed us in the body as he wishes. Not as I wish. This isn't my choice. The, my, the, my choice if I would fall into my choice, would to be somewhere in, on an island somewhere, away from people, with a gajillion dollars in the bank, sit there and do nothing. <laughs> Maybe read a book every once in a while and say, hey Marie, how are you feeling? she like, I'm great, how are you feeling? I'm great, and that's just all day. How are you feeling? Great, how are you feeling? Great. <laughs> Get any emails? Dude, I don't check email, we got no internet here, like it's nothing, there's not. <laughs> And And yet, that's not God's will for my life. And even when I had control of my life, when I didn't surrender to God, what, what, what did I do? I ruined my life. Destroyed my life and everyone around me. And so this isn't your choice. There's so much emphasis upon what I choose to do, what I choose to do, what I choose to do. No, when you abide in Christ, your choices, he actually says, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. And when your desires and mine are not God's, then... I wonder if I'm really delighting myself in the Lord. I wonder where I am spiritually. You know it, you can jot it down in 1 Corinthians 12. You got many parts. You have one body. Our bodies are made of many parts, it says, but God has put each part just where he wants. In the New Living Translation, it says, and this is like all through, this is all through like verses 12 through 27, but toward the end it says, this makes for harmony harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And all you together are Christ's body. Each of you has a part in it. And never is a team more vital than in crisis, than in warfare, when attacked, when things get hard. You you guys know by now ministry's hard. Anybody you guys know that that it's hard. And here's the good news, it's going to get harder and harder and more challenging as we get closer to the coming of the Lord. See, that's the whole key. The timetable is not how long you've been in a city, how long you've been in a church, whether you're brand new and green and, and whether you've been doing this for 30 years. Those aren't that's not God's timetable. You have forgotten God's timetable. You oh well, yeah, you know, I've been doing this 30 years and it's so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard. You're wrong, timetable. It's gonna get harder. The timetable is not how long we've been in ministry, how long we've served, how old our church is, and all of those things. The timetable is the coming of the Lord. It's his. The focus is on him. And so what did he say? He said, as long as you, as long as you're serving, keep your eyes upward. And we see all these things happening, he says, look up. For your redemption draws near. And it gives us perspective. It gives us understanding. It's hard for you, but how much harder for someone that isn't born again, who has no power from on high, no spiritual resources. Everything they touch is broken. How many reports do we need to see on suicide before our hearts break? How many reports do we need to see on opioids? I just saw it. Uh, a news article just before, I think it was yesterday before, that now the, the world has moved on from opioids. It's now fentanyl. They're moving on. Because that is what drug abuse and drug addiction does. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. And so never is a team important more important. Never is there a unified church more important. Never is a unified movement more important than in times of crisis, times of darkness times of difficulty. Never does the world need to see a unified front from the church of Jesus Christ, all real true believers, all real true churches that hold to the essentials of the faith, even if they exercise things differently, even if it's very different than what we're used to. Listen, different doesn't mean bad. It means different. Within the core teachings of Christ, there was a lot of variety of people that followed him. And variety was different by community. The Jews worshiped very different than the Gentiles. The biggest issue, in the, er, the first big issue in the early church, Acts chapter 15, was, okay, we do church, life. we circumcise, line the Gentiles up. I think we need to do what we've always done. But they lacked a true understanding of the new covenant. They were learning still. Can I just say this? This is a big introduction to a, a short message. But can I just, I think the Lord's speaking to us. Can I just say this? Would you please be patient with people as God's working in their lives? Would you just be patient? Not everybody's gonna grow like you do. Not everybody's gonna grow as fast. Not everybody's gonna understand. Not everyone's gonna grasp it. Can you, can you be patient with your pastors and their wives, their children? Can you just be patient with the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life? Can you, can you give people time to grow like people have given you time to grow? And overcome this and deal with that and all the things that are God's working in us. I can think of many, many crises in our church. I can think of many things that we've been going through. For 20 years now, it's, it's hard. It's been hard. It's going to continue to be hard over 20 years. Our church just celebrated 20 years. I get to celebrate with them, being with them for 20 years. And, and yeah, it's, gonna, it's hard. And we've seen a lot of different crises. I think the, the greatest, the biggest crisis was when uh, my son passed away seven years ago. And, and I was just taken out. Literally, just taken out. My family was just taken out. And to some degree not knowing if I was coming back, not knowing anything about anything, and not strong enough to to be a leader, not strong enough to give direction, uh, not strong enough to do anything. Some, some days I would just show up on the property, go right to my office, watch the worship on the television in my office. At the right time, knowing how long it would take to walk to the stage from my office, I would time it, walk out, write out, go right to the pulpit, pray, teach a Bible study, walk right back to my office. I mean, that, that's not pastoring in my book. That's just just doing the bare minimum. Not because I wanted to do the bare minimum, not because I was lazy or lacked self-discipline. I was just taken out. Some of you might be doing the bare minimum because you're lazy or you lack self-discipline. That's not what we're talking about here. And there's no room in the ministry for lazy, lacking, self-disciplined people, you know. Like, that's not God's call upon your life. God's call upon your life is to run the race, not crawl it. (laughs) or run backwards. Not to, to grow your ministry or your church to a place where you don't have to do anything anymore. Not to come on staff so you don't have to do two jobs anymore. No, you come on staff. You know, I was, watch, I was thinking of this. Um, and Nick, um, again, Nick was sharing with me, I think everything you hear is kind of a part of the team. So what do you say, 177 volunteers? Thank you 177 times. Oh my goodness. But, well, what did he say? What did he say? He said, he said, some of them took vacation to serve the Lord. But I have watched over time that that heart can be easily lost through a series of events. Well, that when you're ass- assessing your life, you're not wanting to press in deeper to the things of God. You're not wanting to use your spare time for the things of God. You're not wanting to pour into people. In your spare time, you want to get away from people. But God called you to people. So why would you want to get away from people? Because you're like, oh, Ed, I have the same dream. I want to be on an island. It's a nightmare, not a dream. <laughs> That's not what God has called you to. You need rest. You need time away. Absolutely take it. But then get back into the battle. And in a crisis like that, you know, you think in the, the church that we're a part of is very um, full. It's probably the best way. Full. Um, the, the church that, that I have the privilege of overseeing has a pastor that just is always trying something and always wanting to, to reach out. Just just let's go. I mean we have one life would soon be past, Pastor Chuck taught us, and only what's done for Christ will last. So let's go, 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 let's go. And then boom, where are we going? And so many people during that time reached out and said, Well, how? Did your church survive? Because I'm going through a thing and I'm wrestling with it. How did your church survive? I can tell you the Holy Spirit is our pastor. Jesus Christ leads our church and he will pick up the pieces with the team that's there. And how did the church make it through that difficult time? There was a team, a very strong group of men and women, both on staff you know, working alongside of me, but also the volunteer that when they were there, they are just, you know, you say it over and over again. The church is not about the pastor. 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 The church still thinks it's about the pastor. I just got an email before I got here. I know the church isn't about you, but I'm mad at you. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I know it's not about me. I know it's not about me, but then God gives you a illustration. He takes them away and they go, well, now what do you have left? What do you mean? What do you have left? You have the sufficiency of Jesus Christ all along. And sometimes there'll just be a crisis. There'll just be a difficulty. There'll just be a a sense of removal of people, adding of people. Why? To remind us that the church is not about the pastor. It's not even about the team. The church is the church of Jesus Christ. And he leads. And he uses us. Now, to the text... Because it's an easy text. It's all very familiar. But I want you to know that a real ministry team lives in mutual submission to one another. We have to have the same goal. And in order for us to make progress, we need, write this down, we need to be like-minded. That is a non-negotiable. We must be like-minded. Don't confuse like-mindedness with conformity. We're not to be conformed into any other image than the image of Jesus Christ. But we have to be like-minded. Like-mindedness was something that was valued throughout the Scripture. It's very important to the ministry of Jesus. You notice he took three years to instruct, to guide, to correct, to prepare his disciples for ministry. Paul the Apostle picks up on this. Jot it down, Romans chapter 15, verse 6. It says that you with one mind and one mouth glorify God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20. For I have no one like minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. Now, if I was speaking on a message on like mindedness, I'd develop this. But the exact opposite of like mindedness is doing your own thing. Uh, And the way that works out in a church is you have little ministries that do their own thing, they got like ministries within a ministry. That is not from the Lord. You have been called to serve the vision of God in your church. Your, if your vision isn't your pastor's vision, then you've got the wrong vision for the place that you're at. There's one vision for every, for every local congregation. Not two, not three, not five. Not this little ministry over here that's doing its own thing. And ha- No, if it's doing its own thing, then it needs to go do its own thing. But then you are, you're challenged. You, you, you're challenged to say, God's called me to support this man. I, I think of standing on this pulpit. I'm here under the authority of Jesus Christ and under the authority of Pastor Robert Furrow. And I'll never forget that. I'm under his authority today. I'm submitted to him. I'm here to serve you as Pastor Robert would serve you. Otherwise, I would decline the invitation if I'm unwilling to submit to Pastor Robert, that if he came up and interrupted the message right now and said, that's it, Ed, and if I don't kindly go sit down, then I have no business being here. I'm here to serve. I'm not here to do anything other than make sure that when we leave, that Pastor Robert is encouraged, strengthened, and I've served his vision, not my vision. If I have a vision, I can do my own conference. Is that an Amen. Oh, we do in October if you want to come to Colorado. (laughs) No joke. But you think, you know, I just, I I just, we need to learn to be submissive and have like-mindedness. The word in the Greek uh, comes from two words, equal and soul. So this is a deep spiritual thing like mindedness This isn't just some mental decision you make. This is something where God knits your soul together with a brother and sister and say, let's go fight. When you lose the desire to go fight with your pastor, fight with your leader, fight with... I don't mean against. (laughs) I mean Alongside. Fight the elders. I thought elders was my next one. Like, we do not need an elder fight, all right? But, but I mean, like, like if, you, you, if you don't want to fight with your pastor alongside of them, repent. What's your problem? Seriously, what's your problem? Well, it's not my problem. It's a pastor's problem. He did this, and he, okay. Matthew 18 says, if your brother's offended you, go work it out. And the whole point of Matthew 18 is what? If he hears you, what? You will win your brother. <laughs> That's the whole point. The whole point isn't to pound, make a point, as you have probably seen in your church, somebody make a point, pound the desk, and walk out the door. That's not. That may or may not be God's will, but most of the time, it's not. We just learn through adversity, and we learn how to grow, and the thing that God's teaching us is we're a part of the team, and the thing that God is teaching us is that we're in a battle, And the thing that God is teaching us is that submission and like-mindedness is necessary among the leaders of God. You don't come to a place of leadership where you think, well, I don't need to be submissive anymore. What? The more responsibility you have, the more submissive you must be. All the way to a place where you think, well, you know, Ed, who are you submissive to? To a lot of people, to a whole congregation, to those that I co-labor with, to those that are over me. And hold me accountable. I'm submissive to a whole lot of people. I'm submissive to my wife. And let me tell you something, that's not easy. And you go, Ed, what are you talking about? Wives are supposed to be submissive. Read your Bibles. (laughs) The Bible says there's mutual submission. And there are times when my wife, Marie, can you hold your ears right now? (laughs) There are times when she is right and I'm wrong. Stop. Not many. Stop. (laughs) And in the teamwork of our marriage, I need to yield. And I need to ask for forgiveness. And I need to submit to the wisdom of God that's flowing through my wife and not currently flowing through me right now. And that's where, man, teamwork makes the dream work, man. (laughs) So we are in this section, Exodus chapter 17. Would you pick up with me in verse 8? Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did, as Moses said to him, fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became, what does your Bible say? Say it out loud. Heavy. Heavy. And so he took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And that's the word of the Lord. So what's the vision in Moses' time right now? The vision of Moses' time is, the brothers before us is so greatly put, is to get those people into the promised land. Take them and lead them out of slavery. But for this episode, that vision for this episode is very simple. You ready? The vision for Moses is victory. He doesn't know it yet. Just like you don't know. But I'm telling you, on a broad scale, the vision for God in your life is victory. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that we're always led in triumph. Always. It speaks of the victory parade. It speaks of the victory already done. The vision for God's, for your life today, God's vision for your life is victory, 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 not defeat. You're, you're, the vision of, for God, of God for you is not to go down in flames. It's not for you to quit. It's not for you to run. It's not for you to throw up, the, throw up your hands and just say, Why, I'm over, I'm over, I'm going back, I'm going to go. No, God's vision for you is victory. But it doesn't come without a fight. And in this case, it doesn't come without a team, a group. Men ready at the moment. And by way of extension, women ready at the moment to engage in their role in the Bible. So, so here's the first attack that they experience. This is the first one. And you know, the time when you, you experience something for the first time, it's very disorienting. Uh, it's just, it's, it's difficult. And the attack I want you to notice came soon after they decided by faith to follow God through the wilderness almost immediately out of out of out from behind comes the amalekites always looking for an opportunity the enemy always looking for an opportunity to attack and they we know how they attacked so let me give you a piece of of wisdom here because we know how they attacked they went after the rear ranks it says in deuteronomy 25:17 never forget what the amalekites did to you as they came from egypt they attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear of God. Don't, don't, don't for a minute think that the enemy's not looking for an opportunity, and what he goes after is the stragglers, the weary, the weak. Listen, when you're close to God, you're a lot stronger than when you are lagging behind. There's a spiritual parallel here. The the ones that lag behind are the first ones hit. And i found over the years that the target, like the target, the target is you. And if they can't get you, they'll get someone close to you. And if they can't get someone close to you, there'll be someone that's straggling around you. And the success of the enemy is found often in his relentless attacks. And he just doesn't stop. You're stronger for the Lord, you're stronger for your flock, you're stronger for your pastor, you're stronger for your team, you're stronger for your church when you're abiding in Christ. The, the reality of stragglers, like, like, you know, the lagging behind included those that were sick and infirm, for sure, but it also included the lazy ones. It also included the ones that just didn't care. That instead of taking more land, they think they've arrived and they don't have to fight anymore because it's tiring and it's difficult. Yeah, it's hard. But you're going to make it through. God's strength is going to get you through this trial. And God's strength is going to get you through this challenge. And God's strength is going to get you through this email or this phone message. Or you've been walking the parking lot trying to take care of something that's 100 miles away and you just feel helpless. God's going to get you through it. And he's going to get you through it to another one. Oh, there's always another one. Because God's preparing you for what's up ahead, as we've seen. Like God's tied this whole weekend together, this whole week together in a way that has been very beautiful. But it is a sin to be lazy. And I'm probably saying something your pastor wants to tell you, so let me tell you (laughs) it's a sin to be lazy. It's a sin to use. Listen, those of you that take a salary or a portion of salary, part-time, whatever, from the church, listen, that's worship money. That's somebody's worship unto God, paying your salary, putting gas in your car, food on your table. That's worship money. So you have a higher standard now in your life because worship money supports you. You sometimes flip that around. You go, oh no, we're, we're just depending on the Lord and we have faith. No, no, God provides worship money to take care of your family. He, he provides the opportunities to fully engage your life in the work of the ministry. So that makes laziness even worse. That makes looking for a way out even worse. That, that, that makes, now again, the, remember the banner the banner of our time was, if you're tired, it's okay to take a rest. That's not what I'm speaking of. It's okay to take care of yourself. That's not what I'm speaking of. You go, wait a minute, Ed, I heard you say this, and now you're saying this. I'm speaking to a specific area where men and women, because of heaviness, because of battle, because Amalek shows up, because, because, because. because. There's always a because. There's always a reason. But it's a bad reason not to press in and surrender your life to the Lord. Because we talk about like-mindedness, right? And we tie it up. We talk about like-mindedness with one another, but real like-mindedness only exists as we're like-minded with God and his call. Then we are like-minded with each other. And then God has given you a pastor. God has given me a pastor. I didn't ask for him. I didn't choose him. I didn't go through a phone book. You guys remember what a phone book is? So I didn't go through a phone book. I didn't do a Google search. I said, "Lord, you know what? My life is so messed up, God, give me a pastor. I didn't do that. I didn't choose my pastor. God gave my pastor to me. That Pastor Jeff Johnson in Calvary Chapel in Downey is God's gift to me. It was his initiation. He's the man. And, And if I spend my whole life looking for faults and failures in him, I will just be saying, God, your gift is not good enough for me. But rather, if I look to say, how can I help him? How can I serve him? How can I, help? how can I make sure that he is constantly encouraged? Then I will be appreciative of the gift that God has given to me. Because God gave him to me. God gave me the city that I'm in. God gave me the team I serve with now. God gave to me the people to serve. God, these are God's gifts. These are grace gifts in our lives. We didn't earn them. We didn't work hard for them. I could always look at, oh, yeah, we picked up our family and we moved from California to Aurora. That's part of my testimony. But seriously, like, like that, that's my effort. I pick up my family. I move 1,000 miles. I could take a plane to get back there in just two hours. Like, like—is seriously, and some of you are across the world, seriously, you, okay, so you moved 10,000 miles and? You're like, Ed, you're not being very nice. I just, I just know the times in which we live. And I know that God has given me a message about teamwork, that the enemy wants to divide your team. And that's the end of ministry. It's the end. It, it just stops. And the people, while we're all squabbling and fighting, I didn't like this, and he said that, and probably you guys will email me, I didn't like what he said. Let me give you an email address you can send that to. You ready? Nick, you're writing it down, Nick Weiss at fervent.church. Send it to him. It's on his shirt right there. Email me. <laughs> I'm not going to read it. No, I will. I will. I'm all right. I'll receive it. But listen, this is, these are serious days. And Moses was fighting. And while we're squabbling, you know, if Moses and Aaron and her were all arguing the people are going to die. Did you hear that? Well, if if the way things went down was her, I don't like this side. I don't want to do this. Moses always gets to lift the rod. He always gets to lift the rod. I want to lift the rod. He's not lifting it right. Put it in your left hand. Dumb Moses, you don't know what you're doing. And they're all squabbling. People will die. Well, you think it's not like that in your church? You're squabbing, I don't like this, and I want that, and what are you doing there, and what about me? And the people are dying, and we, listen, I'm not, don't think I'm not guilty of this. This isn't, this isn't you guys, it's us, okay? We're gonna answer to God for every person we hurt and allowed to die, because we're more interested in whatever it is, whatever the flavor of the day is. They're not taking out my trash. So I'm upset about the stupid trash cans and not praying for a saint. You don't think God's not gonna sort all that out somehow? I, I know he loves and forgives, I know he's gracious. I'm not not arguing with that at all. But just because he's loving and gracious doesn't give me permission not to serve the people and care for them with my life. So you check this out, you know the rest of the story. They're fighting. Joshua's here. He's a leader. Like This is Joshua, just already, before we get to Joshua 1, like we opened up, he's already a leader. He's already in proximity to Moses. God has already put them together. And, and I love, if you look back in the text, I love what makes Joshua so encouraging. It, it says, Amalek came, verse 8, fought Israel, Moses said to Joshua, you know how close you have to be to someone for someone to talk to you? He's right there. He's not looking around. Where's Joshua? Man, man, where's Joshua? In an instant of time, he said something. Joshua was near. Even if he had to yell it, he's in with proximity. He was close. It's one of the greatest things you can do is to be so close. I think of Mary and Martha, right? You got that episode in in their house. Martha's in the kitchen. She's very busy doing what God's called her to do. You know, she's busy and worried about things, but she's still cooking. Somebody needed to cook. Somebody needed to take care. How would you feel if Jesus came to your house? No Instapot that night. (laughs) Like, you're doing the best. Quick Costco run, like, whatever. You're, like, getting the... So, anyway, Martha's there, but where's Mary? Mary is at the feet of Jesus so that even if Jesus wanted to whisper to her, she would have heard him. And so here he is. He's close. And this whole scene unfolds so rapidly and quickly. And and it says that Moses knew what he was supposed to do. Joshua knew what he was supposed to do. And then we got these guys, Aaron and Hur, they knew what they were supposed to do. They all have their role. It didn't say Moses and Aaron went to lift up the rod it doesn't say Joshua said, so wait, 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 this is my turn. My turn. I want to lift up the rod. You go down, Moses. You think you're a big shot. He gets that later, right? You think you're the only one. You think you're the only leader. He'll get that later. But he doesn't get that now. Joshua doesn't give it to him. I mean, Joshua was this, this man that was filled with character. He was a man. It was fearful and concerned. Like that's how what the whole beginning of Joshua is. Don't be afraid, Josh. I'm going to be with you. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. So it's not like he was a superhuman, but man, he was the kind of guy that I aspire to be. Reliable, faithful, can be counted on at any moment. And even if I'm, even if I don't know what you want me to do, I'm going to be close enough so that when you're ready, I'll be. I'll hear you. I'll be close enough. I'll be ready. And so notice it says. In the text, he tells Joshua, go choose some men and fight. That's your role, Joshua. Some of you are called to go fight. Take some, some of you love this, like, that's me. Ah, I'm going to take some men and we'll go fight. Calm down, calm down again. Just don't, don't hurt people. (laughs) But if you have to fight the enemy, you know, hand-to-hand combat, some of you, that's your calling. So, your pastor says, hey, just go get some. you know, and notice, it's not even like a full explanation. You know, sometimes you want the full explanation. And, you know, you're just like, please, can you consider and all right? Is it? No, go get some guys and fight. i am see you. Just go get some guys and fight. And you have to be not personally offended when you don't get a full explanation. You've got to trust the man you serve with enough to take three words and take off. Or, <laughs> it's not just three words. Check this out. I love this, verse 10. Joshua did, those are great words. You want the word did after your name. You don't want the word didn't after your name when it comes to the things of God. Hey, this direction, this direction. So Ed didn't do it. I don't want that. I've had that too many times in my life. I don't want it anymore, but I'm sure it'll happen. Joshua did as Moses said to him. That's that. Joshua did what Moses said to him. That's that. Say it with me. That's that. Ready? So finish this sentence. Joshua did what he was said to him. Yes. Now say it to yourself. Yeah, sure. See, it's really quiet after that. It's good for Joshua, not for me. Oh, man, it's, that's that. We're in a warfare. This is fight time. This is time to do what God has called you to do. And sometimes the call of God will come through the voice of your pastor or your ministry leader, or your voice as you're overseeing people. Because what's true from the leadership of the church is true on every level of leadership in the church. Why? Because we're all like-minded. Every level. And so I love this. Everyone's going. Everyone's doing. Joshua did. And Moses, it says, verse 10, Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. So it was... When Moses held up his hand, this is really, a, this is a trippy thing. Moses held up his hand, there was victory. When Moses did what he was supposed to do, Joshua did what he was supposed to do, there's victory. So far. You guys get the picture? Joshua did what he was supposed to do. The men he chose did what they were supposed to do. And then the idea, I, I see the idea is it's pictured for me because in the Jewish mind, lifting up your hands was a position of prayer. It was a position of submission, and you got a rod in your hand, and, and Moses probably saw it and said, I think I understand what God is doing. I think I understand. And he notices down on, off the mountain. This is a perfect, like you can see down there, you can see that when the arms were up, down there there was victory. But when he's like, well, oh, man, there was defeat. Victory, defeat. Hey, can you come up, and can you come up? Can you guys come up to the stage? Both of you. I was going to tell you beforehand, but now I'm telling you, asking you now. <laughs> come on up. I was going to ask permission. One of the brothers, it doesn't matter. Another brother, come up. So come on up. So you're Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi. And you're her. Be nice. All right, so come on up, and you can see I'm Moses, and the battle's gone, but I'm, uh, I'm getting tired. So the first thing they did was put a stone under me. So I'm just going to sit down, right? There we go. Thank you for the stones. And then I'm up like this and I'm tired. Now, now you think it's like that. That's, I don't think that's how. I want you to get down under and hold my arms up right under my armpits. In my armpits, yeah. Your face in my armpits. No. Yes. And this is victory. This is victory. It's bad, huh? I didn't take a shower today. Sorry. Thank you, guys. So, so they're right up. They're right up in the armpits. They're right up in stinky, nasty Moses' armpits. I took a shower. Moses hasn't taken a shower for years. And it's stinky, and it's hard, but without a word, without a word. That's how I anticipated, but I didn't get a chance to tell you guys, but I was going to give you guys, so you came up without a word, so you could see it. Without a word, they saw. Because their eyes were on the leader. And their eyes were watching Moses. And they notice Moses is getting tired. My life is to make sure I help Moses when he's tired. My life is to help make sure that I help Moses when he's strong. My life is to help the body of Christ progress. And to see our city won for Jesus Christ. To see our city disciples. See the people that are saved discipled. And to send out an army to win the victory in our communities. That's what. And so, and so Aaron and her, they were called to, you could say, the armpit ministry. <laughs> I don't see that in your bulletin. But you're called to the stinky, to the dirty, to the difficult. Not just because you're an assistant or you're a key leader or you church teach with Sunday school. If, if you're called to the nursery, you're really called to dirty, dirty, dirty. <laughs> Nasty, dirty diaper, just. But you know what? That baby belongs to someone that's in this room worshiping. Maybe even right now. Your kid's dropping a load over there and you're here. (laughs) And somebody, somebody's changing that, cleaning up your baby's bottom while you don't have a care and the concern in the world, but then somebody also did the background check on that person watching your baby so you could trust them, and then someone had to sit another person down because they weren't faithful, and so they're not, ha- and you got all this movement, but where are the Moses? And where are the Joshua's? And where are the Aaron's? And where are the her's in the body of Christ? Because that's where victory comes. God gave the victory through people. Of course it's God's victory, We do nothing without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is God's victory, but he does his work through people. That's his choice. And he does his work through churches, in the plural, where we yoke together, and we serve together, and we encourage together, and we set aside our secondary and tertiary and all the differences that we may have, and we maximize on the things that we do have. We maximize on the things that we do believe. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is deity. He lived and he died and he rose again. He ascended into heaven and he's returning. The Bible is the only authoritative word of God. No other book. It is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Yeah, but Ed, you don't understand. Those guys are weird. Let me give you, let me let you in on a secret. So are you. <laughs> They're just different. Amen. Different doesn't mean bad. And if there's really a big issue, if there's really a significant issue, and you heard about it on Facebook and you read about it on Instagram, and now you're forward, you know, it used to be forward emails, and now it's just social media nonsense. The Bible still applies. You got a problem with a brother? Call him. Well, but at, oh, oh, so Matthew 18 doesn't apply to you. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know him. Yeah, but you're talking about him like you do. (laughs) Call him. Email him. Drive over to his church. Knock on the door. Camp in the parking lot. Do what you need to do to obey God. Isn't that how you started as a new believer? But we so, I'm, Please, God, forgive us for being negative about a brother or sister. Please forgive us for neglecting. The highest form of pride is when I see your problems and make sure everybody knows about them with the thought that I myself don't come to God needing clean hands and a pure heart by his spirit. And I know that I have a few more years left to serve the Lord, whatever they might be. I want to run my race. And I want to fight Amalek because he's going after the weak. He's going after our kids and our grandkids. He's going after our community. He's dropping the Amalek, who's just an arm of the devil, is dropping opioids and fentanyl, making marijuana legal. He's opening doors for great disaster and destruction in the lives of people. And I want to fight to my last breath because the vision of God for me And the vision of God for you and your church and your ministry and everything you're doing is victory. It's always victory. It's always victory. We fight toward victory. We fight from victory. Yeah, we may have a few casualties along the way. We might fall down ourselves. But the vision of God is victory. Victory. Now, let me just say this. If I didn't have some of the filler In the message today of what God had given me, I want to give you some words to consider because I was going to share these with you. The vision is victory. This chapter is filled with connectedness. This chapter is filled with commitment. This chapter is filled with combat. This chapter is filled with concern. This chapter is filled with dying to self. And this chapter is filled with completion. This happens to be one of the times where there's completion. The ministry is not glamour, it's not celebrity. It's work. It's servanthood. It's sacrifice. It's his will, his will, his way. It's the laying down of our agendas, our selfishness, our pride for the sake of others, for the sake of the vision of God, for the sake of the team, for the sake of the victory. And finally, Moses, the leader, did what he needed to do. Aaron and her, the servants in submission to Moses, did what they needed to do. Joshua did what he needed to do. And together... There was victory. And it's the same for you and the same for me. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here for what has come forth today. I pray would minister to us. I know, I do know God. Some of this was hard. I do, I recognize it, I hear it, I receive it. But hard is doesn't necessarily mean bad. It means we are being stirred to battle, we're being stirred to progress, we're being stirred to submit, to surrender to care for the team, to care for the group, to care for the, like, you chose the church for us. You chose the, your place in the body. You put us in right field. You put us on the pitching mound. You put us at third base. You put us on shortstop. So may we embrace what God has, what you have called us to do, so that as a team, we will win in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.